Please remain standing as you're able and join me as we unite together in this historic confession of the Christian faith, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the
Thank you. Please be seated. Now, remembering the words of our Lord Jesus, how he said it's more blessed to give than receive. Let us give with joy what God has given to us, our tithes and offerings.
Please be seated. Philippians 4 says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. This is why we, we pray for ourselves and for each other. You can send a prayer request by um, email to us, fumc at fumcgadsden.org. You can fill out a prayer card. You can just come and grab me or Pastor Andy or some, somebody and just, just tell us. We want to pray for you. We also want to celebrate with you. We, we like to rejoice with you when you have answers to prayer, when you have uh, things to celebrate. And uh, we, we enjoy doing all of that. But will you join me this morning as we take this time and pray together? Lord, thank you and praise your name for giving us this day. Thank you for giving us this chance to worship together. And Father, thank you for, for drawing us here because, Lord, I, I know that someone woke up this morning and they thought, I just don't feel like I can go, but they came. And someone thought, well, I really don't want to, uh, I, I just, but, but they turned on that live stream. So because, Lord, we have shown that faithfulness, we ask that you would be faithful to be here with us, to, to give us what we need in this moment to meet the needs of those on our hearts today. You know every need. And to even meet those deepest needs in us that we can't even express in words. Father, for those who are, are so struggling with grief that they don't feel like they can go on, give them strength and comfort. For the one who woke up in jail today and doesn't feel like they're worth anything, God, let them know they're not alone. For those who are struggling with health issues, let them know that you're the great physician and that you will work together in all things to bring about good. Teach us to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples, Lord, when you said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Miss Stacy's going to take our kids to children's church today. So down here to my left and to your right, you can you can join that that fun group right there. I know that they're about to have an amazing time. We're going to sing hymn number 462, one of my favorites, and I hope one of yours. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Will you stand as you're able and sing 462?
music here don't you I mean and look this is the Sunday before the Sunday before Easter so you do not want to miss Palm Sunday and Easter I don't know what JT's got up his sleeves but something yeah he's gone off to San Jose and he's learned some things I don't know 
I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be spectacular. So go and, and bring your friends. Go make some new friends and bring them. Our gospel today comes from John chapter 11, uh, beginning with verse 1. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts that your Holy Spirit might take these words and apply them to our hearts so that we might see you and we might see ourselves more clearly. In Christ's name, amen. John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go, uh, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, but they see the light of this world. Those who walk at night stumble because the light is not with them. After saying this, he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and I'm going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus said, however, Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called a twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. 
When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up and quickly go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there's a stench because he had been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you have always hear me, but I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him, let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This passage of scripture is sort of like last week's gospel lesson in that it, it feels so much is there, it's almost hard to take it in and find out what it's all about. But anytime we feel like that, it's always great to, to stop and, and go with this question. Where do I see God in this gospel? And what is the word for me in this gospel? And I know we're tempted to get sidetracked because there's so many cool things that are going on. We have this family that's close to Jesus. Sometimes we forget that Jesus had friends. He had people that he hung out with. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus were his closest friends. And Jesus didn't have a home of his own once he left. He had no place to lay his head except for the hospitality shown to him by others. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus' place in Bethany was a place where he hung out, okay? He felt comfortable there, and they felt comfortable with him. Mary was the one who poured expensive perfume on his feet and wiped it with her hair. She was one of those that pours out her emotions and sits at Jesus' feet. That's her personality. That's the Mary personality. Martha, on the other hand, is the, the plain-spoken sister. Okay, she's the one that has no problem putting her hand on her hip and saying, Jesus, tell my sister to get in the kitchen and help me. 
don't you care that I'm having to do all that? That's Martha, okay? And she's the one that confronts Jesus when she comes out there and says, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You know, that kind of thing. And Lazarus himself, Lazarus, by many Bible scholars say that Lazarus was Jesus' best friend. Yeah, Jesus had buddies. Lazarus was one of them. So we can get sidetracked by, by that relationship with that family. But that's really not what this is, uh, passage is focused on. We could also get sidetracked by focusing on the fact that Jesus, when he found out that Lazarus was sick, stayed there two days before heading to Bethany. He didn't go right away. So we could get our brains going, what's up with that? Why did he wait two more days? Why didn't he just jump up and go? Could he have been there in time? You know, and then it's the never failing, just plain old denseness of the disciples. They just don't understand what Jesus is trying to tell them. And they, they are just so dense. That's why I love it so much because I can, I can be pretty dense myself. Things just whew, pass right over my head. And so Jesus would say something like, well, we're going to go to Judea again. And they said, Lord, they just tried to kill you. Not, not thinking about that, okay, this is Jesus. Nobody's going to take his life from him. He's going to lay it down. And, uh, and then Thomas, you know, the one that everybody remembers as doubting Thomas, was really brave Thomas this time. He said, we'll go even if we have to die with you, Jesus. We'll go. And then what gets me is when Jesus said, our friend Lazarus is asleep and I'm going to go wake him up. And they said, but you know, when you're sick, you really kind of need a good nap. So if he's sleeping, he's going to be all right. And Jesus said plainly to them. And sometimes I need Jesus just to say plainly to me because I'm not getting it. He said, Lazarus is dead, y'all. Lazarus is dead. And so they must have thought, ooh, this is a little bit too late. Isn't that like closing the barn door after the horse got out? I mean, what are we going to do? So we could get sidetracked by all of that. And, you know, the emotion that comes when Martha comes out. Of course, Martha came first. She's always the one that takes the bull by the horn. She's going to go and scold Jesus a little bit. Jesus, you're too late. Jesus, why didn't you get here on time? And then Mary, she said the same thing, but she was overcome with emotion. She fell at Jesus' feet and she just wept. And then that John eleven thirty five 35 was always the verse I wanted to get when you had to do memory verses, Jesus wept. You know what I mean? I can quote that one, Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. 35. But Jesus didn't weep because Lazarus was dead. He was about to raise him from the dead. He wept because he had compassion. He felt with Mary. He saw those who were mourning. He wept with them. And then the details surrounding the, the miracle, it's, you know, I used to read this story in, in the King James Version, and as a little boy, I thought this was the funniest verse of Scripture, because when, when Jesus went to the tomb with them, he said, uh, someone rolled the stone away, and Martha said, Lord, it's been four days, behold, he stinketh. And that's what we boys used to say to, to each other, uh, behold, he stinketh, you know, uh, because we... Anyway, maybe it's just a little boy thing. 
But there was a, a belief in Jesus' day that the spirit of a person kind of hung around the body for a couple of days and, and it was really the third day when you were officially declared dead and this was the fourth day. Are you starting to see the story of Jesus in this story yet? Our, our beautiful newsletter, which you can see if you, if you go uh, online and you can, if you go on our church app, you can see it's beautifully done. There's a picture of an, a tomb, an empty tomb with a stone rolled away. And you think, oh, it's not Easter yet, but we're going that way, you see. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and he's about to show everybody that. So Lazarus buried in a cave with a stone rolled over the face of the cave. Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Someone once said that if Jesus hadn't said Lazarus, then the whole graveyard would have just come forth. Jesus is the resurrection. And then the plot to kill Jesus because the Pharisees and religious leaders got together and they said, this guy, Jesus, he's already healed a man born blind. We saw that last week. We can't deny that because the guy was born blind. Everybody knew he was blind. And now he's raised somebody from the dead. He's just too dangerous. We got to get rid of him. I wonder whatever happened to dangerous Christianity and the followers of Jesus storm the gates of hell. There's a, a quote by an Episcopal priest, Robert Capon, that I like. He says, um, we are in a war between dullness and astonishment. The most critical issue facing Christians is, is not all of the social issues that you see and the moral decay and all of that stuff. The critical issue today is dullness. We've lost our astonishment. The good news of, of God is no longer the good news, it's just okay news. And Christianity has, has ceased being life-changing it's just life enhancing. Jesus doesn't change people into wild-eyed radicals anymore. He changes them into nice people. If Christianity is simply about being nice, I'm not interested. And he goes on to ask, what happened to the kind of Christians whose heart were so on fire that they had no fear and they spoke the truth no matter what the consequence and they made the world uncomfortable, those who were willing to follow Jesus wherever he went. You know, aren't we ready for that kind of, of Christianity and that kind of, uh, that kind of belief that, that captures our heart? Don't, don't we want to be filled with astonishment? And I want a faith that can be considered dangerous in a predictable and dull culture. So we could get sidetracked by all of that. This is like a beautiful diamond. It's got so many different facets and, and all of them are beautiful. But it's got to say something about God if it's the good news. So I think God is, is where I want to land this plane. And there's three things I want to tell you that this story tells us about God. And I know that we, 
we repeat out loud the doxology and the Apostles' Creed, I'm going to ask you to say something out loud with me, these three things today. Because seeing it and hearing it and saying it, I don't know, it just does something to us. So, okay. This is the first thing this story tells me about God. That God is God and that I am not. So I want you to say out, this out loud with me. Really? I mean, for real. And if you're at home, you, you say it out loud too. God is God and I am not. Phew. There, that takes the pressure off, doesn't it? <laughs> we are not sovereign. We're not the ones who are in control of everything, even though we think we are. You see, Jesus loved Lazarus and his family very, very much. So much so that when he got the message that Lazarus was sick, they didn't have to mention Lazarus's name. They just said, the one that you love is sick. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus, all Lazarus was sick. Everybody wanted to Jesus to come right then and there. Just, just come now. And looking at this, if we're just looking at this from our human perspective, Jesus was late. He was days late. Come now, Jesus. Come and do what we want you to do right now. Sometimes we want God to be like a vending machine. We want to put in our prayers and put in our quests and push the button and have it fall out right now. But remember what we just said? God is God. I'm not. Jesus waited for two days. And God is always on time. Sometimes we get the wrong impression about ourselves and about God. That God has somehow become less and is no longer sovereign. But God is God. And we are not. And if we understand that, then we can understand the second and the third thing. So I want you to say this one out loud for me too. God is good. I can trust him. Will you say it with me? God is good. I can trust him. That song that we just sang, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him or and or. But sometimes it's hard to remember that God is good. We can just be honest with ourselves. Can you imagine how Mary and Martha felt uh, when they sent the messenger and Jesus didn't show and he didn't show and then their brother died? It, can, you, can you think how, what the crowd was thinking, what the disciples were thinking about Jesus? This is your best friend. How could you let him die? And then, Jesus, what do you mean that this is going to be something that's going to glorify God? We don't understand that. Sometimes, we find it hard to believe that God is good when we're hurting, when our friends are hurting, when something crazy is going on in the world and we feel like everything's upside down. We have something like a pandemic or a hurricane or an earthquake. We see suffering. We see war. On September 11th, 2001, it was difficult to think about the goodness of God, wasn't it? Jesus said, this is all for the glory of God. This is all so that God can receive glory, but we can't see it when we're in the thick of it. See, Jesus knew, and, and we can see now, that Lazarus had to die. Because Jesus was about to serve notice on death and hell and the grave and the devil 
that the last stronghold to be feared was about to come tumbling down. Do you see where we are in the story? Jesus is about to go and snatch the keys away. So regardless of what happens to me in this life, I know that God is good. Probably the first prayer that you ever learned to pray was the blessing. You say, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him. If we could just remember that. God is still good. I can trust him. God is still God. God hasn't fallen off the throne. Whatever dark circumstance, even death, God is still God and God is still good. And I can still trust him. And then the last one is this, and I want you to say this one out loud to me. This may be the most you've ever spoken in church since I don't know when, okay? God is going to win, I can rejoice. God is going to win, I can rejoice. We have read the last chapter in the book, haven't we? Now, I know that sometimes it doesn't seem like that. And I, I know that it seems like evil has the upper hand for a while. And I know that when we stand at the grave, it seems final. But Paul, the Apostle Paul says, we, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. If in this life only we have hope, we are of all people most miserable. But that's not us. We're people of faith. We're people of hope. We're people of the resurrection. Death is defeated. Dr. Diane Kemp described herself as an atheist when she first entered the medical field and she went into pediatric oncology. It takes a special person to work with dying children. But she not only ministered to them and helped them, it changed her. And it led her from having no faith to having an unshakable faith in God. She tells a, of a case of a little girl named Anna, uh, seven-year-old, had fought leukemia for five years, had no more strength left to fight. And moments before she died, Anna suddenly sat up in bed and announced that she could see angels. And a smile lit up her little face as she described how beautiful they were. And then radiant with joy, she lay back down and went to meet them. So Dr. Comp says that after that, she could never look at it in the same way. And knowing what we know, right? Knowing that Jesus defeated death, we don't have to look at death the same way. God is going to win. I can rejoice. John 11 is beautiful. We remember Lazarus, but this really isn't a story about Lazarus, is it? We like to talk about Mary and Martha, and we talk about, okay, am I more of a Mary or am I more of a Martha? It's not really about them. It's about God. The good news has to be about God or it's not good news. And this story helps us to remember that God is God and we are not. 
that God is good and we can trust him and that God is going to win and we can rejoice whatever the circumstances. Our last um, song today kind of speaks of that. This is uh, a song, again, that I love to sing, but it's got a powerful message. Um, it says, be not dismayed, whate'er be tied. Why? Because God will take care of you. Will you stand together as we sing? Be not dismayed, whatever be Brothers and sisters, we can go forth rejoicing because God is God, because God is good, and because God is victorious. Amen.